Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamega.com. I'm your host, JP. As always with me are my fearless co-hosts, Joe. Let's get it on. And Marcus. The best things in life are free, especially on Free Prostitute Day. I thought you were going to go to Free what? Comic Book Day with that, but well, all right then. <laughs> we all have different I, I interests. So. <laughs> Honestly, the amount of comic books they give out on Comic Book Day, Free Prostitute Day. Yeah, really, it's ridiculous. Oh, wow. That was deep. Mm-hmm. 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 So if you hear it. children in the background, <laughs> it's not free prostitute. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> if you hear. <laughs> that was awful. Um, no. Uh, so I guess I'm on a streak today. <laughs> for, those of you, for those of you that are regular listeners, you know that our recording studio is upstairs at a comic book shop. And today they are doing a comic artists meetup. And normally it's just a couple of quiet adults, but today it is a giant gaggle of children making noise, giggling and scraping around expensive Copic markers, making me cringe. So what we're going to do is <laughs> it's Disneyland downstairs. It's, Disneyland. Right it's insane. It's insane. Although one of the kids said one of the greatest things I've ever heard. The kids were because, you know, how kids argue about stupid shit and the kids that are in comic book shops argue about stupid imaginary shit, which is great. And so yeah. this one kid's down there. Because it's the same argument that we've had? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, no, not this one. So one kid's like, I know a lot about Spider-Man. And the other kid's like, oh, yeah, if you know enough about, you know, if you know a lot about Spider-Man, what's his favorite pizza? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a good question. <laughs> what would Spider-Man's favorite pizza be? Mm, flies? Yeah, right? I mean, that's, that's the only kind of conclusion you can come I just love that that the comic book talks mary jane pizza <laughs> like who would beat who or what superpower would you have or if you could it's like all that shit oh, it's so good it starts it's, young it's so ridiculous and it's so great to hear little kids arguing about imaginary bullshit my mother my four-year-old and um, one of my co-workers were all discussing who would win in a fight between green lantern and winnie the pooh <laughs> and the consensus was winnie the pooh how did they come to that because they don't know anything. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, at least Tigger could bounce around, you know? He'd be like, you can't catch me. They I'm will. Tigger. They they were willing to say that Tigger would be winning the poo. So at least they got mm-hmm. that straight. Oh, that's true. That's well, true. Green Lantern's weakness is uh, yellow, and winning the poo's yellow. Holy shit. Holy shit, they're right. <laughs> they're right. What? <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So what you're saying is Winnie Pooh, armed with a wooden sword from Christopher Robin, would handle the he Green would Lantern. He fucking wreck the Green, the green Lantern. Because <laughs> that's his thing, right? He's weak to yellow, and then even even previous to that, wood. Uh, the original Green Lantern was wood. The one from... Made like, from wood or afraid of wood? All that means is that he could take on both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> right now, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh is a slut. Winnie the Pooh is... <laughs> he could take on two He's a little OP at the moment. <laughs> yeah. He could uh, take on two Green Lanterns. For horrible parts. <laughs> I fully expect How to say we Winnie the Pooh in the next DC versus Mortal Kombat game. Oh my god. <laughs> Such a dirty mind. <laughs> With children underneath us, nonetheless. Underneath us? This is getting worse and worse. Let's talk about the comic. <laughs> How much of this should I cut out? Let's be brave. Let's do none of it. Let's just put it all in. Woo! <laughs> put it all in, JP. Put it all in. Fuck! <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyone could see how red JP is. Right? I get red. He's pretty, I he's pretty beat right. red at this okay. point. Uh, okay. He's so. beat red, yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Today we're talking about Loop, 
from Sean McLean. Just got that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You may know Sean from his earlier comic, Underwhelmed, which you can find at underwhelmedcomic.com, which follows pudgy little redheaded boy Doyle. But today, we're talking about his more recent comic, Loop. You can find Loop at loopcomic.com. Be sure to follow Sean on Twitter at DoyleComic. Like his Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash loopcomic. And of course, you can go to loopcomic.com to read Loop. So Loop is about Dave, a time tourist from the year 3065. I thought he was a time tour guide. Well, he is a time tour guide, Mm -hmm. but the about page says time tourist. Oh. oh wow! There's some inconsistency well, I think there. he does a little bit of both, right? Like I think this time oh, he's he was on vacation. touring. Well, he yeah. was on vacation himself. So yeah, but, I guess he is a tourist. Yeah, but his job is actually later revealed to be that he is a time tour guide, where they take people from the future and they go around and be like, "And this is 1995." Did you see how quick I was to get snarky about it and be like, "He doesn't know what he's doing. He's inconsistent, <laughs> failure." And then you prove me wrong, and I was like, "Damn it! <laughs> I was already wrong about Winnie the Pooh. Today <laughs> is just not my day." My phase. So time tourist, right? So he's a time tourist from the year 3065. When going on a vacation through time, he winds up off course and finds himself trapped in prehistoric time. There, he befriends a caveman named Krong and finds out that there's more to the past than we once thought. This comic I just kind of stumbled across on Twitter. Really, really entertaining. As one does. Yeah, as one does, as you do. It's very fun. I really liked it a lot, actually. I think uh, there's a lot of fun things to say about it, so why don't we just get into that? So as always, we first talk about the story and then the art. So first, Marcus, what do you think of the story? I mean, for a, a format of a newspaper-type comic strip, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to have too much of a plot. You have to have enough to move it along, um, but it could be a very slow pace because the main objective, I feel like, is to get the gags in. That's right. Yeah, it's it's just full of gags. It's a and, gag a week kind of thing. And that it was you know it was successful. It, it had it had its jokes, and the last time that we reviewed a uh, gag type webcomic i said that when it comes to having to do them on a daily basis weekly basis having to knock out joke after joke after joke it can be very difficult and what i found myself doing when i had my own webcomic was not pressuring myself to make every joke like laugh out loud fall on your ass funny hilarious Mm -hmm. if you can make them mildly cute and then have a few really strong jokes in between them to me that's a successful yeah, yeah. What we always say when we were sitting back trying to work on some some of our weekly comics back in the day is that we were going for chuckle funny. Yeah, exactly. If you, and you'll stumble across laugh out loud here and there. Yeah, but if you can hit a chuckle every time, you're doing good. Wait, well, yeah, I mean, ch- chuckle funny is more than enough motivation for someone to come click on your website, read the comic book, and then hopefully click on a couple ads or whatever. And then especially if you have those rare moments of hilarity... It, it just ties it together in a nice, complete package that is just exactly what people look for on the Internet. When they're surfing around, they want to be amused mildly. And that's what that's what a good webcomic, a good kind of gag comic does, is that it, it always delivers a little, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. That's what they want. And then sometimes it's like, <laughs> you know, and that's great, too. But so I, And I feel like it was very successful. I think that Sean did a very good job with Loop to be very consistently quite funny. It's, I mean, it's a solid, it's a solid uh, plot, too, because there are comics out there that take place in the future. There's comics out there that take place in yep. the past. Yep. And because he has a character of the future stuck in the past with friends in the future trying to get him back to the future, he's able to leap between both types of, of humor. He, you know, he opened up for himself to have lots of material available to him. Yeah, you know, I want to touch on that. I really like how there's actually some story that takes place in the year. 3065 and we get to know Otto and Remy his friends who are looking for him and know he's missing know he's lost in time and we get to know them a little that way like the prehistoric like 
oh, we don't have all your fancy technology. We have dirt and rocks. Like, like that humor is really fun and hits the mark on a regular basis. But the nice thing about being able to flip around from those two different time frames, let alone the fact that Otto and Remy can actually travel through time. Mm-hmm. And so it opens up just a, a seemingly unlimited amount of possibilities for humor. But it's nice that the prehistoric humor that is really the sort of the hallmark of this comic, it doesn't get stale. Because as soon as it's kind of like, okay, all right, if I hear Krong talk about rocks instead of some kind of technology again, I'm going to punch myself in the face. Yeah. Like, you never get there. Because it's like, ha, 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 look at them. They're so old school. And then, zoom, back into the future. And they're talking about why, oh, remember when televisions were only in 2D? You know, yeah, I mean, like, so, like, there's so, it's, it's a surprisingly rich way to do it. Like, I, I was impressed. You know, with all the previous time travel media out there, I was a little concerned that it would be kind of a little used up as a medium or as a story sort of point. But... But I was totally wrong. You know, with, with humor, you can get away with this great referential stuff, you know, because being that there's so because it, it feels almost like it's like kind of pretty well tread territory, the, mm-hmm. the time travel thing. But with humor, they can get away with making these great references. There's a scene where Krong says, oh, yeah, you're a time traveler. We get some time travel. It doesn't really go very well for them. And then he goes over and there's just like a pile, a pile of time machines. of time machines. You know, there's Including this, like the DeLorean. And now the, what was the TV that looked like it had? Like a little pink squid attached to it. I don't know. I, I didn't, didn't know recognize all of them, but yeah. I, did, I did see H.G. Wells' Time Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did see the TARDIS. I did see Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And right? the DeLorean. And the DeLorean. And there was the TV there. Well, Sean, yeah, if you're I, listening to this, let us know what that is. We couldn't yeah. quite figure out that from... I, I was upset. No telephone booth. That's Bill true. And Ted. Bill and Ted. That would be... Yeah. That would have been one of them. Or the or even the toaster from The Simpsons. <laughs> that one would have went right over my head. Yeah, it would have yeah. gone right over my head, too. But but Joe would have got it. And, yeah. and then, we, then we would have got it. So it's, it's a joke for one guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Don't That's probably what the TV with the squid on it is. Joke for one guy? Yeah. Or joke for Joe? Well, it wasn't for me. I didn't get it. <laughs> Maybe for his Joe. Oh, it could be. Could be. There are many of us. Yes. We are Legion. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I thought that, speaking of the story, I thought that it was interesting and, and cool that there was more than once where he used visual humor, as in the joke, the punchline wasn't really in text, but that they would go through and then build up this joke and then they would have a picture and the picture itself described or created that hook at the end that worked really well. The one that really sticks out off the top of my head anyway is page six coming in where basically he's knows he's stuck in the past, doesn't really know what time he's in yet. And so he's kind of wandering around in what looks like, you know, a dusty sort of desert environment. And he asks his little wristwatch thing to say, you know, like, hey, is there civilization nearby? And so it directs him towards civilization and then it pulls back and you see this Flintstones-like stone village thing. Yeah. And he goes, oh boy. And that's really cool because as skillful as it is to be able to put together, you know, words to create a, a joke, I think that it's even more tricky to be able to lead us up through the joke's storyline, essentially, and then make the punchline be visual. Like, that's pretty slick. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of my webcomic stuff was all pretty much dialogue-oriented because I never felt like breaking, being more creative than breaking into that <laughs> next spectrum of awesome. Right, right. Um, I enjoyed some of the stuff that was time travel specific because mm-hmm. any movie that you watched, you go online afterwards and they're going to have people telling you why the time travel logic was flawed in that movie. Uh, I just finished Everybody, watching every time um, right. about time last night, which is a great movie. If you get a chance to watch I haven't it, seen it. that's a new um, one, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's plenty of time travel flawed in that universe. Mm-hmm. One of the, I, there's actually a couple of strips, I think, in the series where the Otto one? is trying to talk about, like, but wait a minute, if I 
Well, yeah, the sandwich one. Yeah, <laughs> the sandwich one's he's awesome. Like, if I was back there then, and I'm here now, and like then he gets confused and he's like, "Why is time travel so hard?" And I like that they acknowledge the fact that it's really difficult to write have a solid time travel um, mechanism in, mm-hmm. in storytelling. Yeah, we have to define that set of truths as to like here's how time travel works. Exactly. Like they they start to go into that a couple times, and eventually instead of like really saying like here's how it is and here's how it works in the loop universe. Almost every time they go, oh fuck, it's so complicated. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're just like, like oh whatever, no you know. I'm just gonna for- avoid the whole situation like that. I think that's really funny, and it allows for it to not get down that deep rabbit hole of like, well, how is it really working? That wouldn't work. You know, it, yeah, it's just that ticket 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 sort of shit. That's just like, oh, it just ruins it. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. I remember when I was panel strip doesn't need you know an eighty page book on. Time travel <laughs> on the physics of time travel. When you know, I was when when you were as when you watched originally when you watched the Back to the Future movies, did the time travel did that make sense to you? Everything that they're doing? Yeah, I yeah. didn't ever feel like it. I it made perfect sense to me. I was like, I got it. I understood. Mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I watched them recently again that I was like, oh god, there's a lot of shit wrong with how they're doing time travel. Oh, probably it's like that a lot. I can remember when you first cross the point where you're old enough to really see things that you used to watch as a kid with new eyes, mm-hmm. and you're like wow, that's, that's really messed up or that's really dark or that doesn't make any sense or that's really sexual, you know, like mm-hmm. all this stuff that we totally just miss. Or like Vanilla Ice really had no part in this movie. <laughs> what was he doing? He was going ninja. ninja. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was really cool about this comic was Krong. Now, Krong is, again, the caveman that he runs into and befriends Dave, Dave, our time-traveling tourist. And I felt like Krong was immediately likable. Oh, yeah. You know, he's able to keep a conversation with Dave, even though Dave is from the far future. He's friendly and accommodating, but at the same time has a good sort of sense of humor and is snarky, but Mm -hmm. still sort of always positive. It's just a very likable character. You get behind Krong right away. Like, I like Krong more than I like Dave, especially right in the beginning. You know, Dave is fun and cool and everything, Like, but Krong is like a genuine, like, I'd I'd have a beer with Krong. Like, Krong seems like a cool dude. And Krong probably invented beer. (laughs) Krong, Krong's an inventor, which is awesome. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is immediately after I had that thought, like, I really like Krong. He's a neat character. He's a likable character. Then I thought to myself, wait, he's a caveman. (laughs) How is he having these conversations with him? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. But then I realized later on when Krong invites Dave to meet his other friends, including Bob, which we'll have to talk about later. Mm. It's cool because... Krong is more intelligent than his friends. And it's it's mentioned, it's said out loud, it's like pointed out that Krong is more intelligent than his friends. And it makes it easier for me to suspend my disbelief when he's considered special in comparison to the rest of the cavemen who are really more who what are I was expecting. Yeah, who are special. Yeah, but the other cavemen, they're more what I was expecting as mm-hmm. cavemen. You know, the sort of big four-headed Neanderthal, just, you know, raw, og smash, you know? And... Krong being so articulate and so funny and being an inventor and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of like, how does he fit into this world? Is this, you know, because because to have a good humor with basically two main characters chatting back and forth, going, looking for a good punchline each time, they have to be able to communicate and understand each other pretty well. And Dave being from the far future and Krong being a caveman, it was kind of like, how is Krong? Like when I was reading the About Us page before I even started the comic, I was thinking, how in the world is Krong going to be able to relate to Dave at all, let alone understand what he's saying? He's just going to be some dumb idiot, but it, he's not. And he actually makes him intelligent enough to be able to interact with him and have really good humor. And so that was kind of the first like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But making Krong special yeah. and allowing there to be the majority of the other cavemen just be derpy, like that works great. Well, no, it was a great contrast. They took, you know, genius from 
the past and an yep. idiot from the future. <laughs> and they they it's kind like of idiocracy. Yeah, they kind of link up pretty easily. Totally, totally. But one of the first few panels, they actually explain that he actually is being translated too. It's not yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. They're speaking the same. Oh, language. and you can tell that Dave is an American mm-hmm. because when he first meets Krong, Krong comes up and he goes, "Agra gun," and He's like, oh, sorry, I don't understand. And then his wrist thing, Dave's wrist thing goes, oh, please allow me to translate. And Dave's like, no, no, don't worry, I got this. And he leans over, puts both hands in, on, like, on either side of his mouth and yells, do you speak English? It's like, that is the most uh, American thing in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just like that. Us. Go us. Oh, yay us. Oh, you don't understand? Here, let me say it louder. You say it louder. <laughs> English? No. <laughs> on the note of... of you admiring his caveman character. I want to say that I actually like his cast of characters in general, the, the entire Dude. group, because he has, you yeah. know, he's got characters Bob in the future. Brilliant. Having Bob in there is just that extra little something, something. The alien? The alien. is so great. So awesome. The only thing I would, I would wish for is that their archetypes be more defined. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've, we've read some comics in the past that, you know, one character is equals. This is the angry one. Another character yeah. is this is the comic relief. This one is uh, the straight man. And I feel like Bob and Dave are kind of similar and that they both they seem the sort of like just normal dudes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, know? no, they are incredibly similar down to the point. Oh, I think that's kind of kind their of part thing. Of the joke. The, yeah. We're the guys that ended up stranded in, you know, caveman times. I mean, even to the point where, you know, he's like. Don't worry, I have friends looking for me. Yeah, and and his friends future, are like around other places like, being yeah. like, have you seen this guy? And they have a picture. And then earlier they made the same joke about Dave's friends looking for him. He's like, mm. we have advanced technology to help find people who are lost in time. And his friends are like wandering around in the Victorian era holding up his picture. Have you seen this guy? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like I like the gag where he's like, you know, there were, there's laws against traveling back in time back to the prehistoric eras. Just like to have that one law because it's too complicated to travel back to 2013 too. Yeah, <laughs> 2013, that was, that was a mess. That was a mess. Like, yeah. which is when it came out, or like the year after it came out, which is kind of like brilliant. Good job. I like that, but it's always like I always labor over that whenever I'm writing anything. And I'm thinking to myself, man, do I want to date myself in any way? Because mm-hmm. that that joke doesn't land as soon as it's 2014. It doesn't land. Period. Because you can make jokes about 2013 and 2012 and 2013 until it's over. But when it's over, now in 2014, it's like, meh. You know, I mean, I got, I got what he was doing. And I got what he was doing. And it's really brilliant and it works great. And it's great for a webcomic because a webcomic is something that is is current. You know, it comes out and you read it and you go, but you're like going back and like reading through it again. Like that's, it's really funny, but it is, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like in four years, nothing will have happened in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) I I probably would have liked it better had I, had I read that particular strip in 2013 because i wanted oh yeah totally i mean that's yeah, how this works the neanderthal part of my brain is like that's the year that i am in and now i am <laughs> familiar <laughs> i like it because it is like me there's another strip that i really wanted to bring to everybody's attention i thought was so funny so dave and bob are hanging out and talking bob is the alien bob is sort of your archetypal gray, gray alien except his head sort of tapers at the top mm-hmm. instead of gets really bulbous and he's wearing a star trek uniform which is pretty great <laughs> So I did not catch that. <laughs> so Bob is he's talking to Dave. Shirt, so and Bo- yeah. He's not a red shirt, so that's why he's still alive. And Bob says, so you guys still using fossil fuel in 3065? And Dave goes, heck no. We realize the pain and harm it was doing to the planet, so we search for a clean and more efficient fuel. And he's just he's saying this, and he's looking so superior. And then Bob points at him and smiles, and he goes, you ran out, didn't you? And he goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I really like that one a lot because it's so poignant. Because one of my roommates and one of my closest friends, he is the sort of guy that sits around with his wife and watches the Doom and Gloom documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> and he's all about like the, the 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 natural stuff, like nature and water and electric cars and oil. And his wife is all about the social stuff, like how terrible things are here or there. And so they both are just full of this 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 horrible like the world is going to hell in a handbasket sort of thing. And it just reminds me of having a conversation with him. Like I think he would love that one. I like the idea that there's a demonic presence somewhere that would say the phrase "the world is going to hell in a handbasket." <laughs> that seems like a very dainty phrase for a uh, demon voice to, to say. Yeah, it's but, an old timey demon. Yeah, say him going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> oh, so you're from he the eighties? Mon- he wears a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't listened to our i guess it was two episodes ago we talked about turtles marcus is having a hard time with the 80s colloquialisms and he just reverted back to a 20s mobster it's the 80s see see, the 80s where's the beef (laughs) and on that why don't we go ahead and take a quick musical break when we get back we'll talk about the art of loop by sean mclean you're listening to geek life Stick with us. Life, the Indie Comics Podcast. We're talking about Loop by Sean McLean, which you can find at loopcomic.com. Again, be sure to follow Sean on Twitter at Doyle Comic. That's D-O-Y-L-E Comic. Like Loop on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Loop Comic. So we talked a lot about the story. What do you guys have to say about the art of Loop? Lends itself very well to the story. Totally. Actually, it reminded me of it like a cross between... Family Guy, which, you know, a lot of people know what Family Guy is. Sure, and sure, sure. an old Nickelodeon TV show called Kablam. Oh, yeah. And the characters on that, they looked strikingly similar mm-hmm. to the characters mm-hmm. uh, in Loop. And, uh, well, Loop looked similar to the Kablam because Kablam's been off the air for probably wow. over 10 years. Yeah. Um, that was like a series of different cartoons, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but it had two cartoon characters as the hosts for all the, all the different mini shows. Oh, uh, okay. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love Kablam. I love um, Prometheus and Bob. That was good. Oh, <laughs> so I remember good. that. Yeah. Oh, my God. YouTube, Prometheus, and Bob, if you have internets available. Which you do, because you're listening to us. Yays. 
Um, but the style, like you said, it, it lends itself really, really well to uh, the type of uh, comic strip that this is. And I don't know, it, it sort of felt uh, a little old school to me. Like it didn't, it's got kind of a Beetle Bailey look too. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Really, it really like, feels like it would be right at home in a Sunday Funnies page. Yeah. Definitely. Like it's Definitely. really clean, really consistent art. Yeah, and very well made, very well practiced. I mean, you know, Sean is definitely a professional. He does a very yeah. good job. And honestly, there's nothing that will keep it out of like a syndicated funny page. No, no, it's it, good family nothing, humor. Yeah, there's nothing that's too racy, but mm. at the same time, there's lots of really great sort of geeky referential humor, which I thought was wonderful. But yeah, I thought that the character design was great. I, I kind of find myself struggling a little bit to have something to say about it because it was just good. Yeah, I don't mean like adequate. I mean like it was good. Yeah. The, the the art didn't detract; it added to the storytelling. You know, but it was like it, it, it did a really good job. It yeah. wasn't anything that was like, mm, I want to change that or I wish it was this way. It was just really well done. It was simple, but not oversimplified. Yeah. It didn't have so much that it actually distracted from any of the jokes or gags that are in there. That's true. Uh, actually, I really liked how he designed time travel to have oh, the, the black the, and white loop. The whirly tunnel? Yeah, right. that kind of yeah. falls in yeah. and out of. So good. And there's even one uh, panel where yeah, in the corner of um, comic strips or com- comic panels, um, artists will sometimes put a description of either where it's at or when it's at and he does that on so you can keep track of where he's at in the story what time or what year he's at and in one panel they're looping from one time to another time and so in the top right of that panel he has the one year and on the bottom left of it he has the other that they're actually looping to right so i just it, it was a a well-designed time travel mechanism for the stomach yeah the comic, it was really well laid out doing yeah. the the horizontal three panel comic can be kind of tricky to make make your point well with mm-hmm. let alone because i mean it's one thing you know you, you you set up you continue and then you hit the punchline you know so it's that that sort of but works really well but there was more than one where they were telling a little bit of the story there was some exposition it was still funny but it was again kind of moving towards that chuckle humor slash a little character development and that can be really hard i tried to do a sort of horizontal just a couple panel comic in artistic month it's fun and i think i feel like it turned out really well but there was more than once where i needed to expand it wide like taller to get a second row but sean doesn't do that he just keeps it with that one row almost all yeah. the time and that is hard it's hard to squeeze it in there i mean again it's it's just like how well put together and tight his art is it communicates exactly what you need to see and doesn't have any extraneous over description this is very much the same way with the way that he puts the comic together visually and story-wise and with the with the punchlines. You know, it's like it's it's incredibly tight to get that bam, 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 just a couple panels, only horizontal, only one level. You don't get the second level to go down to explain more and get to your point. There's no meandering anything. It's always very sharp and very compact. It's impressive because yeah. it's not easy to do, right, Joe? No, God, no. Yeah. The fact that he can hit the chuckle button every single time. <laughs> the chuckle button. <laughs> Yeah, and occasionally that's what I call my belly belly button. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Keep your hands to yourself, Joe. Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, Actually, before I'm gonna take a little pause on the on the artwork, uh, just because uh, there's something that I it's huge to me that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the story that I, to my recollection, I've never seen happen before in a comic strip, you know, weekly newspaper type format. I've never seen a cliffhanger before. Yeah, And the last strip that I read, I'm not sure how often he updates or when the last one was put up, but the last one is a cliffhanger. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting to me. Um, mm. So I'm eager to see what's going to happen when you... With the foot power car? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they finished. Foot power car. So awesome. Oh, is it, is it the cliffhanger mm-hmm. done? Yeah. Well, I was on it last night. 
reading the comics, and there was nothing after. Joe that. considers the cliffhanger done. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's like, nah, they're, they're all dead. No one cares. Let's go <laughs> move on. Know, what a great comic. They're no, the, next. They're off the cliff. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a bad person. <laughs> anyway, kudos kudos on uh, venturing into uh, unexplored territory for Dramatic that format of yeah. of uh, comic, especially Absolutely. because at the same time as he's as he did the cliffhanger, which is interesting enough to me, he also is uh, developing a side plot involving the employment of the main character in the future. So he actually has with a past version of himself. With a past version of himself, he has two storylines going on within his one strip and multiple gags that are continuously going. It's really impressive altogether. It's not Every, everything too that hard he's to doing. understand either. No. He's got a lot of plates spinning in this comic, yeah. and they're all being held up really well. Yeah, definitely, I think because they're all different colors. <laughs> well, because past Dave has like a brown uniform on, even though he's in the future, and then sure. future Dave, who's in the past, has the blue uniform. Yeah, it makes sense, right? I'm starting to get a little bit. You're we're like, we're wait a minute. We're, we're starting talking. to glaze over. Like, as you say it out loud, it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> the comic's just yeah. really good. You see? I like yeah, it. Yeah. You're right, though, because it's really great that he visually keeps the characters the same, isn't constantly changing their outfits and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's sort of one of the things that you need to do when you have when you have to communicate so much so quickly. You know, you can't say, like, have somebody go in and be like, hey, you like my new outfit? That takes a whole panel. And so if the character's have the same clothes every time. The characters are going to look the same. The characters have the same hair. And so you can immediately go, bang, this is who this is, and this is where they are, and this is the time they're in, because this is where we left off, right? And you're right, because especially now that we have multiple Daves in different times, which even their hair is pretty much the same, and so it would be difficult to understand if if there was any kind of change to this ensemble. You've got to have a visual cue so that you don't have to explain which one this is every damn time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I actually thought his rendition of Fred Flintstone and Barney Rebel was pretty good. <laughs> Spot on, actually. Yeah, I mean, it didn't look it didn't look like it was from the old cartoons. I could definitely tell it was, it was his style, but sure. It almost looked like a slightly updated what it would look like if it was they, they made brand new cartoons today. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that. I also thought that it was fun that every once in a while he would bring in a guest artist to do a strip oh yeah yeah some of those of in there one of them really recognized like vince doors from can we edit out the fact that my voice just broke and i sound like a teenage little boy yeah <laughs> i thought that was really awesome how we did that with the other guys it's oh, cool God, though so. it is it's really cool and you know some of them were actually really excellent actually most of them were really excellent yeah because sometimes sometimes on a comic even if you it's a comic you really like They'll get a guest artist, and it's like, oh, that's terrible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it was kind of fun to see, like, really accomplished webcomic artists, or just comic artists in general, to come through and give their their so their own spin on it. You know, mm. it was really neat to see Vince Dorse do his own thing and you know, recognize him immediately from Untold Tales of Bigfoot, right? Yep. That's a great comic, by the way. And sort of sad. I want, actually, we need to check back in with those guys. We read so many comics that sometimes it's hard to keep up with things oh, that we really like, yeah. even though there's a couple that really stood out. I wonder what's up with Bigfoot and Scout. Anyway, one of the things that I wanted to make sure and point out with the art of Loop is how clean yet still descriptive the backgrounds are. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's just sort of a, like a pale sort of like clear sky. Yeah. You know, it's that sort of just clean thing. And that works really well and is nice because the characters are that sort of iconic cartoony style. And so you need to have a background that allows them to pop. If you're going to have more economically drawn characters, you're going to either need to have an even less complex background or a really complex background. Mm. 
you know, more, I guess not complex, but a really more realistic background. That works really well. You see that a lot of time in Japanese comics where you've got these characters that there's not a lot of description on their bodies and their faces and they have the big googly eyes, but then the backgrounds look like lovely pen renders of a very realistic scene or Tintin does that. Bone does that. We were talking about the other day, Mm -hmm. right? So like that's, that is very successful because these characters, you want them to stand out from the background and not get sucked into the, just this mural. Yeah. There has to be a stylistic. Absolutely. And so a lot of the time people go with the more complex backgrounds and then the simplified characters works really well or vice versa. But then sometimes if they're going to do these cartoony characters and you don't want to go that route. And it's not really it's not really a good choice to go the more complex, realistic backgrounds on something that's going to be like a weekly. It's actually brutal. (laughs) Believe me. It's great that he's able to still communicate everything that's necessary to understand where they are and what they're doing, what the context is. Again, being very economic with the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's, it never looks hackneyed or anything. It's always on purpose. It's very careful. You know, you look in the background, you're like, oh, there's a little bit of dirt and some rubble sort of stuff. And then like two little cacti. And you're like, they're in the desert. You can tell immediately. It's like, it's like beautiful. And that's what comics are all about. Comics aren't about so much like a lot of other art is drawing what's there. It's telling people what's there, Yeah, you know? And for example, one of my favorite examples of this is if you want to communicate to your readers that your character is looking for clues, right? All of a sudden, the characters have a magnifying glass because we associate that with looking for clues. That is is something that is a connection that has been made in our mind and the social consciousness in general. And if you really want to drive it home, you can give them the little hat from Sherlock Holmes and and maybe a little pipe with some bubbles coming out of it. Or whatever, you know, but that's a thing like that. You, you, you put those three pieces in any combination, but specifically it's the magnifying glass immediately. You don't have to go. And now I'm looking for clues. Where are the clues at? It's like, bang, you see that. And they're like, Hey, I see something over here. Bang, you know, looking for clues. That's like what it communicates. And that's, what's so cool. Hell, even this generation's going to get it. Cause it's the icon for search. search <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of things that comics use as like a shorthand, which is really different than, you know, painting mm-hmm. where painting is like, you need to draw what's there, what you see, not concepts. Cause comics are really a whole lot more about communicating concepts than communicating actual like visual imagery, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I think is so interesting about comics. And so that's, what's so cool about how Sean does his backgrounds is that there's not a lot of information there, but the information there clearly communicates where they are and what's going on. And he, you know, made the choice to go simpler instead of more complex for the backgrounds in comparison to the character's level of, of uh, complexity. So the characters still really show up sharp and clean and strong in front of everything and they don't blend into the background, but you still know what's happening and where they are. It's just very cool. It's, it's a subtle sort of note, but it's something that really makes makes the comic come together very well, I think. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on Loop, you guys? I'd actually like to go back and read his other comic just to see where all this polish comes from. You know, it's interesting when you go look at the under, at Underwhelms, which yeah. you can find at underwhelmedcomic.com. If you go and click the first button, it actually does look like it's changed a little. Okay. Whereas Loop, for all 101 strips that are out currently at the time of this recording, the art is incredibly consistent. Yeah. So it's definitely like he's hit his stride. He has his style. He has his method and his routine. And, the, and it's working really well. 
But if you actually you look at Underwhelmed, it towards the end it looks like that, right? Mm-hmm. To the more recent stuff, because I think they're coming out concurrently right now. But the the earlier stuff, it's definitely still growing, still learning. Not that it's not good, because it is. Yeah. But but there's there's been sort of a style change before the things really kind of come into alignment and have this sort of consistency. Like he's found his really artistic groove. Huh, that'll be interesting. To see. Yeah, and it's funny too because Underwhelmed is actually another really good comic, and maybe we'll talk about it at some point because it's a very different genre. It's about that like a little pudgy, pudgy redheaded kid, and they talk about video games and just life sort of stuff. It's very fun. All right. Yeah. When it comes to a comic that's that's put together really well, it's there's not a lot to say other than go check out this comic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's it, basically it, what it comes down it to. It boils down to like, hey, I like this this strip, and then we ruin it for you exactly. by telling yeah. you about it. <laughs> you know, so it's like we pick a couple, but yeah. sorry, you don't suck enough for us to talk longer about it. But oh well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So well, all right, then I think that's about it. So again, you can go and read Loop by Sean McLean at loopcomic.com. Follow Sean on Twitter at Doyle Comic. That's D-O-Y-L-E-C-O-M-I-C. Like the Loop Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Loop Comic. And just, uh, you know, thank you so much, Sean, for doing all this really hard work and making a really, really entertaining comic. We had a great time reading it. And uh, you guys listening out there, make sure to check it out. It's a really good one. Thanks again for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at panamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can contact us at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music is provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artist and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP, and we'll see you next time. That Dave is an American. Mm-hmm. Because he... Let me pull it up real quick.
because he eats cheeseburgers and he's racist. 